Hey, welcome back to the History of Gay Sex. I've got a very special uh, guest of mine today, Matt from the Matt Tales podcast. Matt, how's it going? It's going well. I am honored and excited to finally be doing this with you. I'm so excited that you're here. We've been planning this for a while, so it's been we have. <laughs> a long time coming. <laughs> we have. I mean, I think we were like, I was such a fan of your show, and I don't know who reached out to who or if I reached out to you or whatever, but it was sort of simultaneous that we were kind of listening to each other's stuff. And it's, uh, yeah, it's been it's been good. It's been good. I love your I, podcast. We first met up, I think, like, what, like almost a year ago? Last yeah. November, December? Yeah. Yeah. We, that was a very we, had, we were going to have a quick drink and it was five hours long. So Matt Tales, I'm obviously very familiar with. Maybe my listeners aren't. So I, I would love for you to talk about that. And then also your, your newer now project. Um, I'll let you take it away. Sure. Yeah. So about a year ago, um, my, my life kind of, I left corporate America and my boyfriend dumped me on her anniversary and my dog died. <laughs> so, so I decided instead of feeling really, really shitty about it, I would just do something that I would never have done before. Like something that was like brand new for me that would like make me excited and have a like sort of like new, up, new adventures. And so I started writing all my sexual adventures for the last 40 years. And I realized like it's 40 years of adventures, <laughs> like from 1984 to about three weeks ago. It's the latest one. <laughs> um, I'm not dead yet. So, <laughs> but so, so I just wrote these very small stories that are true. They were like autobiographical kind of erotica. And then I recorded them on a dare. My friend dared me to do it. Um, and so I put them on as a, as a podcast, but it's really kind of audio erotica. And, um, and anyway, it, it just became like very successful. Guys loved it. I've heard DMs from all over the world. People have related to it. They're just like real moments that most people don't tell. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I'm old yeah. enough. I'm old enough and don't give a shit enough so that I can, you know, I'm just at that point where it's like, I want to tell the stories. And the response I've gotten is that, um, like especially from younger guys, they haven't lived any of those things. Like there's entire chunks of t- gay history missing from younger guys. Like they haven't experienced a lot of the things that we did in the eighties and nineties before the internet and sex clubs and all those things yeah. that, um, that aren't there around now, but they're not, they don't exist in the same way. And apps have taken over, you know, our connect, our gay connection and all that. So it's yeah. been kind of like a, it's kind of like a little bit of a time capsule as well. And yeah. then, yeah. So I've done that. I did that for a year. <clears throat> and then, their response also was that guys wanted me to tell me their stories. Like, you know, when you share something, people want to share something back. And so I started getting all these amazing messages and DMs and like people would send me stories and say like, I want to tell, you should hear about mine. You should hear what I did. And guys from their early twenties to like seventies, guys in their seventies saying, I remember this in New York and I remember that. And um, so I decided to start a second pod called sex club, which is Matt tells after hours which is uh, everyone else. I like after hours. <laughs> it's after hours. <laughs> I, want, I wanted to make it sexy. I want to make sure it was like sexy. It's the first one that's not sexy. <laughs> My friend was like, do you think you're real housewives? Like when you talk, I was like, something like that. But, um, <laughs> but, I, but it's, it's the, whole, the whole idea. The whole idea is to start creating audio experiences and audio moments. And it's mixed with music. And it's also mixed with sounds of actual sex submitted by listeners. And it's just, it's kind of like to document our moments and our feelings, the things that we, um, that intimidate us or change our lives or adventures we have, or things that excited us uh, in our gay sexual world that kind of, you know, only gay men really understand, I think, because we all live it, you know, in one way or another. So that's the project. Thank you. For yeah, yeah. 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 Thanks for letting me talk about it. But I, I'm excited about it because the new one with other people is growing and growing and growing really fast. Yeah. Like people, people want to tell stories and they also want to document some of our gay history. Yeah. Well, you're very talented. You're a very good writer and, and presenter. I don't even, I'm so slow today. <laughs> your, recording, your recordings are flawless. <laughs> Clearly <Thank> mine aren't. <laughs> <laughs> Even with my editing abilities. Um, <laughs> so I had you on today because we are doing a question and answer uh, episode. So all of my listeners, or all these questions are from listeners um, who were kind of following up on certain topics maybe that I've covered or just generally speaking about uh, the history of homosexuality and gay sex and stuff like that. So you are going to be 
our question asker today, and I will um, try to coherently answer as possible, <laughs> even though I've been struggling <laughs> today. So, and I'm smoking less weed, so go figure. <laughs> I've got your back. I also really love your podcast. I also really love your podcast. You know that I love your podcast. I've been a fan since <clears throat> since I first heard it, uh, you know, a year ago. Um, so I'm, I'm up on your topics. So <laughs> I know well, you, give, you give me a lot of really good, um, um, very like personalized and like thorough feedback, which I appreciated. Sure. Um, I remember when I first started this, well, first off, when I would ask friends of mine who are not gay for feedback, they'd just be like, yeah, like everything's great. <laughs> like it's perfect. <laughs> I'm like, well, I know that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> and when I'd ask gay people, they're like, I don't know. Yeah, it's great. And I'm just like, God, like no one will like give me real feedback. Either they're worried or they're going to hurt my feelings or I don't know. So I always yeah. appreciate it because you used to give me really like actually like very comprehensive acknowledgments of sure. what doing. And when sure. I was freaking out, not wanting to produce another episode, you were <laughs> very good at stroking my ego into doing it again. <laughs> Well, I think you just posted the Sambia tribe, so we're not even going to go and go there right now. But like, I was like, it takes balls to post something so interesting, but like so just a tiny bit to the, you know, to the side of the norm, you know, and yeah. some of the topics are really, I mean, you know, you've got Nazis, Greeks, and bears, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> you know, who, yeah. you know, who's, I mean, everything is, What I think what I love about your viewing the podcast most is that you are sincerely interested in all this stuff. Like I can feel yeah. how interested you are in it, which makes everyone else interested too. Well, that's hopefully the goal. That's hopefully the goal. I, I, I definitely nerd out to a lot of this stuff and um, I've actually been surprised in a way that more people have listened to it than I expected, given that most people have no interest in history. <laughs> and so, so I kind of, you know, you don't really have a good idea of what to expect with, with you know creating a podcast and then also like not marketing it besides either yeah. collaborating or having a thoughty instagram page like i do yeah. and i don't even know if half who i know half those people don't even listen i don't even know you know and so it's we've talked about this you know sometimes it's like keywords or hashtags that they do within the podcasting platforms uh for syndicating with like apple and and spotify and stuff like that but you know, it's just kind of you, you produce, then you have no idea what'll come of it. And then it's like, I remember, like, I think the first person outside of North America who like looked at mine was in South Korea. And I was like, what the hell is this person in South Korea doing <laughs> listening to my podcast? And I was like, so, and then like, I, I put out another episode and I was like, are they going to look at, are they going to listen to it again? Cause you can kind of yeah, see, yeah. you don't know specifically who does it, but you can, kind of get an idea in this really creepy way. Anyways, now I'm going to creep out all my listeners. <laughs> Stuart is watching you. He's watching you. <laughs> they all give you so much data. Like it's Apple, true. they all like my, so I use Buzzsprout and they will give you a certain amount of data, like locations yeah. and stuff. And then Apple, they all give you a small amount of data. And, you know, I can't tell which block someone's listening to or where they live listening to my, I mean, I was like, good. But um, you can find like neighborhood, um, sometimes they'll, they'll show and then, you know, age demographics and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, I haven't looked in a while, but it's really interesting anyway. Well, so. when you first start a podcast, though, it's, it is interesting because, um, I think what you put out there, you just have to love yourself. You just have to love it because you don't know who's going to listen or you don't know if they're going to yeah. care or whatever. So I think because you're interested in, in your what you were doing and because i i mean for me it was like i it was so honest and so intimate that i had to just do it i couldn't overthink it and yeah. i think pe people yeah. find it but it is really exciting when you first start looking and you're like i'm in 10 countries i'm in 11 countries and you're like what are they getting oh, yeah. from it or who are these people whatever but yeah. it's actually it's kind of an, an amazing part of this medium that you can reach so many people in so many ways yeah. Yeah. No, I remember the, before I'd released my first episode, I had released my intro episode, which was like 90 seconds long or something. And people were already picking up on that. And I was like, that had kind of surprised me. It was like, where are these people coming from? Like, I, I don't know. I like, it was just weird being discovered, even though I hadn't really made my debut, like I hadn't announced anything. And I guess 
I don't really know how the algorithms work with with like Apple and Spotify in terms of how they suggest it. I, I have met people here in Portland who have said that my podcast was suggested to them. Yeah, it, it was just surprising when I started getting like, you know, 30 people in the last week have listened to your intro episode. And I'm like, why? There's like nothing even coming up after this. <laughs> like there's no, there's no real first episode. <laughs> <But> anyway, <laughs> So let's talk, but let's let's talk about the let's talk about the content of it and what it's about though because I think as I I I found for myself also that even though I'm coming at history with a very different point of view on mine, it's people are they do want to learn they like to learn things and they like to know things they don't know already and they like to be entertained while they're doing it. So I think you hit yeah. all of those for you hit all of those for sure. I don't know how they yeah. knew that from the preview, but they knew they felt something. So <laughs> they're my they loyalist fans. <laughs> Just your, thank God your mom clicked on it over and over and over. Repeat to help promote it. Thanks, mom. Um, <laughs> let's talk about, but let's talk about gay history. Why? Uh, I mean, these are like the basic questions, but I think it's important. Like, why? Why'd you do this? Like, you could have picked anything. You could have done a podcast on anything you wanted. What is it about history and gay history that was interesting to you? And why did you want to do it? Um, I wanted to do specifically the sex part because I thought people would listen to it. Um, I wanted to do something different because a lot of the stuff when I, a lot of the podcasts were that were out there when I created this, which was like January, 2021, um, could be like, there were a lot of them were too biographical. Um, and I thought it was just kind of boring or it was like someone happened to be gay It'd be like FDR's wife or something. Um, and so I was just like, well, like I, you know, I was like, I don't know. Is that like, is that gay history? Is that someone who happens to be gay? Like what was their impact on history? Um, <clears throat> I'm also a huge lover of um, cultural based behaviors and like cultural practices. So that was something I wanted to start off. I wanted to focus on too. Um, and I, that, yeah, then I started collecting um, books involving homosexuality, mostly academic. So the cultural elements to it takes away the biographical aspects, which I just found more interesting. And I just kind of went with that. Yeah. So how do you, from all of that information out there and stuff that you are interested in, how do you pick a topic? How do you find something that you feel is worthy of a conversation with other people or covering as a whole episode? Uh, so my very first episode on ancient Greek homosexuality was from a book that I bought several years ago. The, my two episodes after that with the history of gay porn was partially a, a, a book that I bought. And then the other part involved this class I actually took in college around obscenity and porn. The class was beyond that, but it, it included a lot of that. And I, um, so I, I used those two, I kind of joined those two because they went hand in hand. The, um, most of the episodes that I do, I usually just have a book that I've read. And so I go over it that way. My most recent episode that I did back in April was over some published data, um, in terms of sexual practices with men who have sex with men, um, that was my first one. I want to say that deviated from a book. Oh, I did the I did the the lesbian history movie. So that was a movie, and I did that with my friend who's great, who I'm I'm was supposed to record with today, but we pushed it back a week. Um, and he's got some great podcasts. Um, and it's usually books. So and though then the then David, who you referred to me mm -hmm. recently, I bought his book. I'm going to read it probably this weekend. Um, and the new episode with him. So it's always. Long story short, it's always usually a book is where I start. Um, sometimes the stuff on the internet, I kind of question the sourcing and I don't really know. It's kind of like, it can be fast and loose. Um, so that just depends. There's some, there's certain topics that I want to cover, but sometimes I'm not getting the, the, the research isn't coming in as much as I would like it to be for authenticating or being like peer reviewed or, um, serious and you know someone's like yeah. blog page <laughs> are you are you suggesting that everything on the internet is not true <laughs> no no it's hard to believe 
<laughs> Sometimes what's, what is said in Reddit is not necessarily historically accurate. <laughs> Reddit, Reddit, I can't even. Um, is there an episode that you've done so far? I I loved the the Greek episode was the first episode I listened to, and then yeah. I I did I tried to listen in I tried to listen in order, but then you see something you like and you jump around. Happens all the time. But yeah. but but I did try to go in order, like the history of gay porn. I honestly don't. I, there are things I'm 57 and there are things about the history of like what's considered pornography and the legality of being gay and all that. I've never heard more than half of what what was on your podcast. It is like really, really interesting to know that part of our history. And I will bet you I'm not even going to guess what percentage of the gay culture doesn't know that history at all. You oh, know, yeah. I, I think it's important to share that. I, I like yeah. I, I love that information. You would have to be um, probably born in like 1950 or later, like in the like or you know being older than someone yeah. in 1950 to have lived in a time when pornography was very much illegal. Yeah. Um, and even then it's kind of like the, um, the prosecution of it probably wasn't even like possession. It was more of like distribution and creating of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a big part of the free speech movement, um, for sure. And, you know, now it's like, I don't think we've had a federal case with porn since actually from the Bush administration. I want to say it was like 2002 with the Attorney General Ashcroft um, tried to he tried to to go after a porn producer in California or something, and and that was like the final like nail in the coffin of either the federal government trying to go after um, pornography, but then also just solidifying the rules that we used to have making porn illegal. Um, you know, everything was completely established at that point, and. It's just all kind of like settled law. Also, you know, I mean, no one, I mean, I don't think really anyone's against porn. Actually, I take that back. Now there are people <laughs> who are going after, what was it with Pornhub? Um, yes. They got the credit card companies to not, yes. to not pay for it. So you do have some kind of activism against porn, but that's not from a legal perspective. That's, and individually having companies separate themselves from it's business. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a new Avenue, I guess, for the um, Christian right to, to yeah. go after it. But I, I just don't think that there's really a lot of people who are that caught up on pornography to, to have kind of a cultural shift. Uh, yeah, I don't like what you, I think it's, you said that I don't even think it's pornography anymore to most people. And I think the personalization of it, look at OnlyFans and all like how per, everyone just as everyone's a porn star, <laughs> everyone, everyone's yeah. a Twitter porn star, everyone's like a TikTok star, everyone is a star now. So I don't think yeah. they even think of it as like in terms of what's allowed, they only think of it as what's allowed on the specific app they're using where it's business, right? It's just like business. Isn't OnlyFans like for a second decide they weren't going to have any adult content and then yeah. they realize they'd be ruined. And so yeah, also like watch like a show for adults on Netflix and HBO, and it's all like softcore porn at times now. It's true. You know, like it's not, I mean, but I you know, I yeah, I, I just it, it's our our culture has obviously shifted a lot. Yeah. For, so <laughs> there was one um I was trying to get this last night. So so BBC British Broadcasting Channel Company, for for those who aren't familiar, released a documentary yesterday called, what was it called? It's called like My Enormous Cock or, what was it called? It's, it's My Massive Cock, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about, it's about these men and the problems that they have with having like enormous penises. <laughs> so they released it and they released it online and the website crashed. <laughs> <laughs> the BBC released a documentary. Did, did they, were they waiting for the queen to die? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and it crashed. And, and it crashed. Um, 
Apparently they don't even have, but then, but then I was, so I was asking my friend in the UK for his login information to like try to watch it. But then I read that there's no, there's no nudity. They don't really show you anything. So then I kind of lost interest <laughs> if we're being honest. <laughs> uh, okay. So two things about that. So I was going to ask you two things. You can answer whichever one you want first. What episode surprised you the most with information that you found or you read? And then- yeah. Are there topics that are taboo for you? Yes. Okay. So this one's hard for me to answer because the the my very first episode on Greek pederasty, I had already known about. But when I learned about it, it was probably one of the most surprising things that I've covered on my podcast. The other one, similar situation with the Sambia tribe. I had learned about it in college. Obviously, it was. I found it to be very culturally shocking at the time, um, but I have not. But yeah, I, I from a contemporaneous um, exploration that I've done for this podcast, that was not something that I learned that was shocking. Um, but to answer your questions, both of those things, I would say top three. the The third thing that I found shocking during all of this was when Western kind of Western European, specifically my episode for, for um, homosexuality in London before World War One, um, when they were openly talking about how there was homosexuality in ancient Greek civilization and it had a role and a place and was open and how that should be the case in UK society at that time. Um, that surprised me a lot. I remember sitting in my bed, finishing the book, my jaw had dropped. I don't know. I had come like full circle and my studies at that point, And that, that had really surprised me. Um, but like that doesn't really compete with the ancient Greek pederasty. <laughs> so, I mean, I, those are, the, that's my, my answer, my, my qualified answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it's tab- yeah, oh, the ahead. taboo part. And what is the taboo I mean, one? Okay, so I've got this one. I don't know if I have mixed feelings about if I'm going to do this episode or not. And it's about um, it's called like Bacha Batsi, and it's mostly in Afghanistan now. And it involves kind of like sex slavery and uh, kind of like geisha boy performances and I don't know. I've, I've kind of mixed feelings about it. Um, I don't know. So we're going to, mm. uh, I'm going to figure out that one. It's fascinating. <laughs> there's a, there's a really good PBS documentary called, I think the dancing boys of Afghanistan is worth watching. I've seen um, it. You have seen it. Yeah. I, I have, mean, it's, yeah. It, yeah, it's like pretty fucked up. Like I think in the it beginning, is. Like a three-year-old boy is sold into it, you know. So I mean, it's not like we're talking about, you know, like in, in ancient Greece with pederasty. There, um, the younger boys who were obviously older than three, they were like fourteen, could choose who their older like companion, um, Erastes, would be. The they're kind of like teacher and this one, you know, it's, it's just like impoverished boys being sold into kind of a form of sex slavery. And I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I like, I don't know. I, I think when I come up with the time to present it in a way that I, I think is most fitting, maybe I'll, I'll probably do, or I'll just run out of things. <laughs> well, yeah. but I'll just get lazy and I just be like, yeah, I've got this one in my back pocket. <laughs> um, I, you know, it's interesting though, because it's, um, what's taboo is a reflection of what era we're in, what's going on in the world around us, right? What country we're in, like it could have in a different time, it wouldn't be in taboo. Now it is taboo. It's interesting, right? Because you want to, I think what you do so well, even with those episodes is that you're just telling the truth. You're literally just, you're just telling the truth of what that experience was for those people. And I don't think you're like, you know, um, you're not sensationalizing it or anything. You're just kind of like like sharing a piece of this history. And it's fascinating some of the different ways that people, that different eras thought about sex. And that's one of the, what leads me to a question 
for my listeners. Um, I heard that the military in Rome used to encourage sex amongst troops. So they would protect each other. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, no, Rome did not do that, to my knowledge, at all. Um, that was sort of with pederasty in ancient Greece. But when I say ancient Greece, there was actually, you have like the Spartans, Thebans, Athenians, you have a lot of different city-states that are, uh, to my understanding, all of them were engaging in pederasty. But what is the most famous one is the Sacred Band of Thebes. Um, and they were like a hundred, they were like the, the army of like 150 lovers or something like that. And I think that one's supposed to be, in terms of the historical accuracy, I don't know how much um, uh, is true or not, but they were the ones who I think were the most sexually closest or um, had the notoriety of being in these romantic relationships with each other. The, the pederastic model believed that if you had a really intimate relationship with your fellow soldiers, uh, you'd be braver in fighting with them and beside them. Um, it would create more courage and um, it would like increase morale and stuff like that. There is a book that I just recently found about, well, it's, it's really a, a nude male photographs from World War II. Um, I think it's called My Buddy. And it's like, there's all these gay books and they're like, they publish like 500 copies or something. And then when you find it, it's like $800 online. And I'm just like, I can't fucking spend $800. <laughs> but I'm like completely fascinated by it. And it's all, um, I can't think of the, there's like this one like German, is it Toshin? How do you say it? Yeah, I know the, that. The publisher. The publisher, yeah. They do like all of it. And then, yeah. Like some of it, I had this one guy approach me about this Tashin published book that he had created. I think he was in the Philippines and it was of like a Western photographer that did homoeroticism. And the book was like $350. Anyways, I'm totally getting off on a tangent. But from what I was kind of looking at was, it, it was almost like this contemporaneous, not pederastic, but it, it was what seems to me be about kind of like World War II soldiers, they're younger, they're kind of scared, and these uh, intimate moments that they're having with each other in the military. You know, it's all men. A lot of them are like teenagers, early 20s. Yeah. You know, they're fighting, and um, I don't know. There's actually something that there's a lot to even like straight male intimacy that um, I think you don't encounter that much in America, but is very pervasive in other places. And, and it was a lot more pervasive before uh, contemporary times. Like I was in, okay, I was in Greece, which is a, seems like the gayest place ever. The tourists are very gay there. It's actually one of the most gay touristed places I've like ever been to. And I've been to a lot of places, but it's not, it's pretty homophobic for locals. But, like, you'll see straight guys, like, like resting their heads on, like, their straight guys, like, their friend's shoulders. And they're just very, I don't know if affectionate is the right word. There's, like, male intimacy that you just don't see in America, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like in the Middle East, like, guys will, like, hold the hands and stuff like that. I saw that in, in Greece, too. Um you know, a straight man would never do that in, in America. And then, like, I, like, this is such a random story, but um, one of my friends was studying abroad in college in, in Oxford, and she met up with these, like, seven guys. Um, no, that did not. not I, like, I, that I, like where, I like where this is, I like where this is going. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> and she... <laughs> And she was like partying with them. And I guess there was like an, a, a giant like mansion that they were staying in that someone like had owned, someone's family owned or whatever. And they were all going to bed. And like three of them jumped in a bed together. And she was like, what are you doing? And they were like, we're going to bed. And he, she was like together. And they're like, yeah, like we're all friends. Why would we not share a bed? Yeah. And he was, she was just like, oh my God, in America, like American guys would never do that. And they were like, we're best friends. Like, why don't we want to be near each other? 
Like, why would we want to be like all separated and stuff? And I think that, I think that just America, America specifically has a really weird relationship with male intimacy. Um, And the thing is, is that male intimacy can sometimes turn into homosexuality, but that does not make them a homosexual, especially not gay, which is kind of like the caveat is that you can be straight and engage in homosexuality. Right. You can engage in homosexuality and be and have a gay identity or a queer identity, but um, it's really sexuality like, versus homosexuality, right? It's like yeah, it becomes, it becomes kind of sexuality for some yeah. people and cultures versus yeah. homosexuality, yeah. And that's something I've learned a lot from this podcast is the level of male to male intimacy that exists uh, and has existed, um, especially. Especially in a in a way that's not a part of gayness, or um, they used to call it sexual inversion back in the day for mm. for people who were were gay. Um, it's really it, it's it's separate from that. That um, I think is really beautiful, and maybe men should just do it more. <laughs> <laughs> bottom, bottom line, I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, more <laughs> and then record it and put it up on X videos. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I think I mean you know there. Yeah. But, but but if you think about it though, like the things that we are in all ages of gay men are drawn to in porn is that connection. It is the male connection. It's not just yeah. genitalia. It's those scenarios. It's like the ones we kind of poke fun at now. You know, it's like those masculine scenarios that have been done so badly for so long in porn that we're like, they're kind of like a giggle now. But but the idea of just being together as men in a masculine place is the setting for almost every porn ever made. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. It's. We just turn it into something else. Yes. Although there's like, God, with porn specifically, I feel like there's like, I feel like gay porn, even though it's so vast in terms of like what it covers, is just like such a um, like sliver of like gay sexual expression. Mm. You know, there's stuff in porn that you would never do in the bedroom or like, there's stuff about porn that is only a tr- that's only like hot if you're watching it because if you're like partaking in it, you don't see it the same way. Like I mean, like you like literally physically cannot see it the same way. And so, you know, it's it's such a interesting part of our cultural community too, where you know I know so many different guys in so many different professions who have uh, an anonymous thoughty Twitter and they love recording sex and putting it up or like jerking off and putting up the videos. And I mean, I just, I I don't think straight men really feel the cultural need to do that, but it's just, I don't know. There's like porn is like one of the three pillars or something of the (laughs) gay world. And I don't mean that in a way to try to diminish it or like, like it is, you know, there's like gay celebrities or porn porn stars, you know, and it, or it's just there are other gay celebrities that like you know leak their videos and their pictures. Oh, for sure, you know, of and, course. Especially when there's something worth leaking, like <laughs> <laughs> oh, to, oh, my nine inch dick Oops. flooded across the internet. How did that happen? <laughs> oh, sorry, Chris Evans. I'm so sorry that picture got out. So it's like I don't know. I it's, I feel like this one's kind of hard to explain to straight people, but I don't really need to. <laughs> speak to your audience. Speak to your audience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A couple more things in history before we go on to something else, because there's a couple of other questions that I want to make sure we answered. You kind of answered about military. That's the military. Um, someone asked about homosexuality in Renaissance Florence. Oh yes, yes. Um, I have a book on it. I have not read it yet. I know that they there there are contemporaneous writings about a lot of open homosexuality with all the artisans and everyone at that time yeah. um, that was partaking in some Renaissance art making. But I don't have any more to speak to that at the time. I'm hoping to do an episode on it. So okay, okay, yeah. 
you have your homework assignment. Uh, I do. <laughs> uh, right along with that is documentation of homosexuality in non-Western history, like other cultures, which you've touched on a little bit. Oh, yeah. And I do um, I do recordings of that. The Symbia tribe. Um, yeah. I guess ancient Greece is like ancient Western civilization. But it's the Nanshoku one with homosexuality in Japan. Um, that is... Definitely a good example of that. It's pretty much been homosexuality has been found at like every continent, every time period um, that humanity has existed. So yes, it's definitely everywhere, all the yeah. time. How how far ahead do we have to be in our own history to look back and be able to analyze it or make something of it? Do you know what I mean? Like, can we see our own history happening right now? Or like, how do you? When does something become history? How long ago does it have to happen for in order to make sense of it? Um, I mean, it can definitely happen as, you know, as recent as something like yesterday. You know, if you have like the Supreme Court ruling come out, hmm. you know, the second that that comes out, that's history. The process of that litigation happening is history. Um, I'm 35 now, so I've seen a lot of what I would say like personal gay social history change. Um, When I was, I know we've talked about this. I talked about this with guys my age or older. I coming of age in like the mid two thousands, it was like hairless Twinkie. It's kind of the aesthetic and it's, and I I say this, I'm on a podcast. I'm I'm a bearded otter. (laughs) And, (laughs) And, so, you know, and a damn fine one. You're <laughs> <laughs> making me blush. Um, and I remember, I remember feeling like so insecure and self-conscious about my like body hair when I was really younger. But I think when you're like gay and 19, you only feel insecure and self-conscious. And now it's funny because I feel like straight men are all shaving their bodies and gay men are the one who are actually a lot more all natural and embracing yeah. natural hairiness and kind of a natural aesthetic, um, which is also funny because I feel like if you were like shaving your body when I was like 15, people would think you were gay. And now if you're not shaving your body, you think you're gay. I don't know. <laughs> you know. So it's like that little switch has, has been interesting. Although I don't think that straight, um, I don't think straight men are are necessarily all going to be like oiled up and clean shaven, but <laughs> it, that that's been kind of an interesting cultural uh, um, phenomena. It's funny, right? Like we handed off masculinity from the straight guys. Like we kind of did a handoff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's oh. so interesting, isn't it? It's like we're just like in. I, I, I listen. I've been in this almost a six decades. You know being around and i've seen it change from very natural no muscles let me you know how you know how when you look at 70s you look back at christopher you see i see documentary on like 70s gay new york or san francisco and all the hunks were just like these little they just had their shirts off and they were kind of skinny yeah. <laughs> you know but they were like that you know they were like very natural men it was about like masculinity and just being open and gay whatever but they were not muscled at all and then the 80s came and nice came. it's so fascinating to see how it goes around and around yeah, and what, and what the young ones think is gay or not gay now, which is really interesting. Now I mean, all kinds of, yeah, I, and this is one of the questions. So, but I feel like my peak gay aesthetic would be like nineteen sixty nine to like late seventies. I say nineteen sixty nine because that was that was kind of the beginning of like gay pornography becoming legal. Um, so then there's a lot of stuff coming out that I, I look at for research (laughs) and, um, oh my God, it's just like, everyone is just like natural. And the only thing though is, and this is something I I noticed this week, or at least this thought came in my head. I was looking at, um, I was looking at vintage. It wasn't like porn. It was just like pictures of like gay men in San Francisco and like the seventies and they're all shirtless or at least they're shirtless and they have like a 
No, a lot of them are shirtless. And I'm just standing there thinking, yeah. and I'm like, I've been to San Francisco so many times. The weather is never that nice. <laughs> like, walking around shirtless. I was like, even like the Castro, which has better weather than other parts, is not, you know, they've got their microclimates and all that stuff. Like, I was like, I've been to the Castro in August and it's been like 55. Okay. So, like, <laughs> Like, like if it's raining, you're certainly not out. I was just like, wait, like, did they just go out and photograph for a week when like there was a heat wave? Like, what? That's like the one thing that kills me. I was like, at least in New York, I could see it. I'm like, yeah, it gets warm in New York. It's like humid. I don't know. I mean, you're older than me. Was there a time that <laughs> men were just walking around shirtless? I mean, you know, you used to live in Portland. I mean, most of the people. I lived in the yeah, castle too. Guy, I see that shirtless. I think you a picture of him, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, well, I'll, I'll tell yeah, you. I lived, I, lived, I lived in the I lived in the Castro for a year. Yeah. For a year. Um, I just love that you're looking back at like your era that you want to be in, and you just and, and you're like, except I'm going to wear a sweater. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that you're sweater. calling, and you already have your own sweater, your built-in sweater. I love that you're calling My them. Being, sweater. You're calling them. I'm being chilly. It's really <laughs> <laughs> well. It's like it's like um, you're not. I'm, you're not. You're not wrong. It's <laughs> fucking fucking freezing in San Francisco in summer. <laughs> it's like when I lived in Chicago, and I'm about to use myself as an example. Okay. And I was like 20, and you know, I just could eat and drink as much as I wanted and I could never gain weight. And it was the Halloween gay parade. And I wanted to be like a Dolce and Gabbana model. And it was like literally 40 degrees outside. And I had like this little black bathing suit. Cause I was a bathing suit model. Like I just wanted to be like undressed. And I, I shaved my body. I clogged up my drain, getting rid of all my body. Hair. And I was like going around and it was like 40 fucking degrees in Chicago. And I was all like out and like loving being this little autorette twink 20 year old. And I had to get so drunk to just feel kind of comfortable <laughs> with how cold it was. And like, that's like every gay Halloween event in a cold place. Everyone's just got to be as naked as possible. <laughs> But you just answered your own question. That's how good and sexy you felt. You felt sexy. You didn't care that it was cold. And by the way, they were all tripping on acid <laughs> in San Francisco. <laughs> the, real yeah. your, the real answer to your question is they don't remember from 1969 <laughs> to 1976. <laughs> God, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so funny. Uh, so let's stay on history for one second. So, okay. so you answered the era you wanted to be in. If you could have a dream guest, if you could pick anybody in gay history all the way back, um, who would you have as a guest on? I don't have one person I could think of. I've got like, like there are some of the old porn makers that I would love to, to talk to. Um, there are, you know, if there was like, if I could somehow bring back this ancient Greek that could tell me, you know, what it was like in, in Greek pederasty or, or someone who was openly identifying as someone who was, who was gay in like London in 1912. I, you know, I just, it's, I, I don't really have one individual, but I just would love to, be able to have a conversation with someone who lived it, um, given that the history we have is already limited. And then that part getting researched and published is even more limited. So I, I just, you know, I read and I research this stuff and I get to hear one person's perspective on it. And that's really not frustrating, but like, I would just love to that would like be like a fly on the wall. I don't really, know, I don't know if that really answers your question, but there's, there's just not one person per se. And I haven't really looked at this from like a individual approach either. So maybe if I did, I would have a different answer for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hearing it from someone was, that was there, right. It's like, 
that's actual history. I is there yeah. someone is there is in your research is there I was, uh, the question is there is there a misunderstood gay person in history? But I, I would I would make that wider. Is there a misunderstood time in history? Is there a misunderstood like episode or moment in history? Do you think that people have don't understand enough about to really uh, to give it a fair? Shape? So I I guess I used to have this this notion in my head that like up until the sixties, anyone who was caught that like homosexuality was never public. It was just never permitted. There was no place for it. It was never talked about and it was totally unacceptable. Um, And that's actually just not true. Like there are, there are cases where people are criminally prosecuted for either like cross-dressing or engaging in public sex. And it's pretty incontrovertible. Like it's like known. And there are instances where juries um, or legislators refuse to enact harsher penalties. They remove harsh penalties. They refuse to convict someone. There is an element to it. And I'm not saying that like life was, you know, easy being gay but there was there were, there was a higher level of acceptance of it than I thought that there would be in any kind of like pre World War II history. Um, the episode that I'm I'm working on for after this one involves the Newport sex scandal, and it was involving the military and like World War One in Newport, Rhode Island, and there were like drag shows and. Basically, it starts off with this guy's in the hospital there, and like everyone's just talking about all the like gay sex that's been happening. (laughs) (laughs) And it just becomes like it is just like open and like yeah. If you look up the ladies of Newport, I mean, I don't want to ruin my next episode, but it was just like there were like drag shows and like, and there were like a lot of gay guys that were showing up who were going there, and I don't really know how, and I don't think that there's like a selection process in terms of like if like hey like. Oh, I got to join the military. Like I'm going to Newport, you know, like it was about, it was about um, the, the, the draft. It was about the draft for like world war one. And so um, that was, um, you know, so there, that's one example where it, it was just kind of like openly happening and a lot of people in the military kind of knew about it at a lower level and they were just kind of letting it happen. Um, I think that, you know, there's always an ebb and flow to to social exceptions of homosexuality or not. And I think after World War II, there was a push against it for a little while. Um, and I don't know if it's because they thought it was like part of communism and we're deviating from like Christian culture. And, mm-hmm. and if you're Christian, you're like not communist and there's like this Cold War element to it. But um, yes, to answer the original question, something that's a that I think is misunderstood is how much documentation we have on homosexuality, how pervasive it is across society uh, and how there were higher levels of, of it being um, tolerated than I'd ever thought. Yeah. Well, look what's happening in the world right now. Look how far we've come. Right. And then now look at the kind of backlash and all the rhetoric that's happening out in the world right now. And it's a little bit scary. And I just, you know, having gone through the evolution of our rights from, I mean, I was, I was there in the seventies. I couldn't have hung out with you in 1969 because I was five, but, (laughs) but, 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 um, but I, but I've been through, I do remember the seventies and the eighties and I remember what gay meant and what it, you know, I remember a lot of those things and what's happening now is the scariest, I think that I've heard in my adult life and so how important is it to share history like is this where history comes in like are we doomed to repeat ourselves like is it important to talk about it like the more we know like what do we do so so the 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 repeating it part is okay i've got i've got two answers for this i hate this saying so much but it's it it kind of helps me stay calm in the course of like political changes and stuff like this, especially with, with gay discriminatory policies and views. Um, is that like 
with the arc of progress, it is very much like two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes it feels like we take a giant step back when we have people elected that we don't like um, or policies that are put in place that are not permanent long-term. Um, overall, the world is getting better, but you do have examples both in America and other countries where they're taking a step back. What that's going to look like, we don't know. The the one thing that does not keep me up at night, but something I think about that that is potentially scary is you have the existence of humanity and you have the modern era that we live in now with like rights that we think of enshrined since World War II. It's a very short period of time. And for human culture and civilization to potentially revert back to something before that with like a very gender traditional society is not in the realm of impossible. Um, you know, I don't think that we're going to also be going back to like fascist Italy or fascist Germany or, yeah. or like colonial Japan and stuff like that. But like, and I'm not trying to be an alarmist, but um, you know, under right circumstances, it could potentially happen, um, which would include gay rights. Now, you know, we're pretty developed and it, it's hard to go back to a certain um, place in terms of like disenfranchisement politically of people. But um, I don't know. It's just something that like, like we're living in a very peaceful society now more peaceful than ever. Is this a blip on the map? Is this the new normal? Or, you know, could civilization get into nuclear war and we kind of fall like Rome and then yeah. have another medieval age? I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I tend to think not, but but that is something that um, could be a quote-unquote like history repeating itself. Yeah, yeah. I have, um, I have one more question, but it's not in the questions. It just came in from me. It's my question. <gasps> oh. <laughs> <laughs> which is, um, which is there. So there is some, there are versions now of stories being told about gay culture in pop culture that weren't there before. Right. Like we used to think like a made for TV movie about Tanya Harding was gay culture, but that, that's, like, that's not gay culture. That's gay entertainment. There's oh, yeah. like, there's, there's like, <laughs> okay. Maybe a little gay culture, but it was just, but those things were harmless and they were like entertainment. There are projects now, like I'm just not to pick on Ryan Murphy, but let's talk about Ryan Murphy, right? Like he's doing Jeffrey Dahmer, he, you know, there was, um, he did Hollywood, which is about that story of the guy on the gas station in Hollywood and like used to set up all the prostitutes for all the famous stars. And he, you know, he's covering that in like a series and there's different, like there's, um, there's American Horror Story this season, which is about, um, uh, you know, leather culture in, in the 70s in New York and murder and leather culture, much like kind of like Cruising was, that movie Cruising. Mm -hmm. is, it, is it good to bring up those topics and have someone at least put them out in the community so we can talk about them? Or is it dangerous because they're pop culture versions of history? And, you know, where, where are yeah. you on gay pop culture? So this kind of goes back into the Bacha Bazi uh, episode I was talking, or a potential episode I was talking about doing in terms of like, if I want, if I, if it's not done in the right way, it could be potentially unhelpful or feed into homophobia. And it's actually, I'm glad that you brought this up because I was with the Dahmer one. Scott was watching it recently and, and he was telling me about it, and I kind of knew about it, but I didn't know that much. And I, for, I, I guess I'd forgotten that he was gay. And I'm just always like, why does I was like, what if, like for the people who have no exposure to homes to like any gay people, mm -hmm. you're fucking watching this, and I just would hate for that to go into a narrative of like gay people and like look at it like their sexual deviance, their psychological deviance. There, I, I think potentially. You know, you could have stuff like that that's unhelpful. Um, the other part, too, is 
um, that you know people could separate it and and it's sensational. I, I haven't seen the Dahmer piece on Netflix, so I don't know. Uh, I haven't seen the Hollywood one either. Yeah. Um, so I can't speak to that specifically, but but those are concerns that I have in terms of that telling kind of a story that could lead to homophobia. Um, there's another part I had that I can't remember yeah. um, that I was going to say, but it's 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 tough because they it's like a story of someone who happens to be gay, kind of, you know, but. Yeah. I don't know. But then everyone's watching it and they're not watching bros. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, have you seen bros? I have not I seen it. I was just it? went to see it a few days ago. I heard ago. it was good. It actually is good. Billy Eichner is so smart and so witty and he does make so many comments in the smartest, funniest New York humor kind of way. It's very New York humor. Is he like a gay historian or something in it? He opens an LGBTQ plus museum and the staff is hilarious. This like he makes his comment on like staffing it with every member of the LGBT and no one can agree and everyone fights for their own thing. And it's all about like, it's just very, very, very cute and funny. It's very, <laughs> it's very, the movie is very broad though, because it's trying to be, if it just stayed tight, you know, <laughs> to like get that real gay culture and gay stories and like our yeah. gay world. He's brilliant at that. He widened it to kind of make it a, you know, like the first movie with all gay. He was like a thing, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. the first movie was written by and all about this and, you know, all played by all gay actors and whatever. And so some of the humor is so broad that it's like a little rom-com. It is supposed to be rom-com, but it's like it falls into straight rom-com corny sometimes when it, okay. when it didn't have to be in the poster and the name is terrible. Like the if the poster and the name make you feel like it's two straight guys that fall in love or something too. Like it's not, yeah, it's yeah, not, it does. It's terrible. The, the, but I mean, that can be hot too. I'm just kidding. It, <laughs> but it's a different. But it's a different movie. It's just a whole different movie. It's a whole different category of porn up. But I, but I, but I did see Dahmer and I did see Hollywood and I and I just well, I've watched Pose couple of times all the way through too and i know the some of the ones that listen to matt tales some of the younger kids they're like were you there for pose were you there you know did you go to the peers you know like so they pose i think is a better slightly better example of that time and what people went through and aids and all that stuff it's very mm -hmm. sweet and i mean it's very kind of wrapped up and corny in itself too but i do think at least it opened up like i don't think anyone knew that trans people went through that then. And I think it, that was kind of informative to me. You know, the other ones, Dahmer was, whether they'll admit it or not, setting up every scene where he takes someone home and starts to, you know, he's going to murder them and they start to have sex and whatever. It does sexualize it. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it takes gay sex and, and turns it into murder. And Is it, it are most of his victims that are in it gay or men? Uh, Yes, they're all men. They're all gay. If they're okay. all gay, they're, he he would pick up gay boys in bars and take them home and butcher them and <laughs> put them in acid. I mean, it was just horrendous. And so, yeah. it, you know, I don't know. Making like a series with cute Evan Peters is that his name? I don't know. I just it feels weird. <laughs> I mean, he's really yeah. cute, but <laughs> he's really cute playing a vicious murderer who then gets killed in prison. But like, do we need to go over every scene by scene by scene of like every boy he takes home and romances and seduces and murders? I. I don't think so. You think, think you so. think like homophobic people like watching it because they like vicariously seeing gay people getting murdered. <laughs> like they just have it. Like Marjorie Taylor Greene just has it on. Repeat. Oh my she God, just keeps going no. back over it. <laughs> <laughs> like Goldie Hawn and Death Becomes Her. Like she just watches the <laughs> scene over and over and over. Oh no, Jeffrey, no. Ah, you know. Um, but it's just like, but it's like watching, I don't know how it's like eight episodes of like how many murders and bodies and whatever. I'm just. I don't, I feel like, I don't know, it's not a need. For, there's not a need for that history. I would argue that Pose did some good things for bringing some light to history. But anyway, well, that was the question. Um, I, will, I will say, that was the last question. I will say that overall, the number of gay movies that come out now compared to 10 years ago and before yes. that is so much better than it used to be like, Oh my god, the worst fucking movies that they would make for gay people. And like 
especially the ones in like the 90s and like the 2000s which Ugh. we've like all we've seen like all of them and like Ugh. it was just like the writing was bad the acting was bad the filming was Ugh. bad the production value yes was terrible and now they're like honestly i feel like netflix and like hbo and stuff will come out with like yeah. a couple of good ones every year that actually is worth watching yeah, yeah. and um that's really refreshing but um yeah, it used to be so bad. I remember, <laughs> although although I rewatched probably like last spring, I rewatched "Call Me by Your Name," and yeah, now that Army Hammer is like a creepy, <laughs> canceled guy, it kind of like takes it away. But we all know we're watching that for Elio, <laughs> <laughs> Timothy, or Timothy. I mean. <laughs> Wait, I didn't know where you. I thought you were. I didn't know if you were gonna say like it ruined it or made it hotter. Once you are <laughs> next to eat his girlfriend, or like I don't know if it was um, like. No. <laughs> I I I think Army Hammer is like a really weird guy. Um, yeah, I do too. <laughs> but like not in the hot way. <laughs> I, mean, um, I agree. And I'm so team Elio in yeah. that one. Um, and. <laughs> I love him in general. I mean, I feel like he shows yeah. up for like, I don't know. I saw like a New York Times article on him recently about the the things he wears to yeah. the events. And he's kind yeah. of like queer and like, mm-hmm. he's like always showing off his body and I'm always looking at it. And, <laughs> and he also just seems to have like such a like little beautiful soft-spoken energy and i'm just yeah. masturbating <laughs> no you're totally are. <laughs> i haven't said a word the whole time you've been you're talking like, so i'm not going to tell you what i'm doing <laughs> really nice guy and i know we'd have like a lot in common and <laughs> could you just keep talking about him for like another about 45 seconds <laughs> and like i just know he's so bi-curious for he me totally, and i yeah. make him buy confidence yeah. And <laughs> it's really sweet that you just want to reach out to him. Like, you know, it's really I sweet. Just, just, oh. you're just a fan who wants to add something to his life, which is, very, <laughs> I could add fine. so much to his life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he would love Portland. <laughs> actually, like, I think he would actually hate Portland, but that's just me. Yeah, he hate Portland. <laughs> yeah, he, he totally he's, like, he's like such a. He comes from like a French American family and like is a New Yorker. I mean, I totally already know. A New York- totally <laughs> a New Yorker. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I would like, come hang out in Old Town and go to CC's. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, you're like Timothy, which like a voodoo donut. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you like, I'm going to this food truck park. <laughs> On a date with me. <laughs> oh my god, he really is beautiful, and he's gonna be beautiful his entire life. He's gonna be a beautiful. He's a beautiful kid. He's a beautiful guy now, and he's gonna be a beautiful seventy-year-old man. He's just, yeah, he's just a really beautiful, kind kid person. I, mean, I, I have to say, I hit when he did Dune. I have never become so excited about science fiction before. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I I almost always prefer the original over a remake. Yeah. Like, sometimes I don't even consider a remake. He is so much hotter than Kyle McLaughlin. McLaughlin. (laughs) I'm so out of it today. Then Dune, done by um, David Lynch, who I love. Yeah. Maybe this is the first time that the remake is so much better than the original. And um, I really hope there are more shirtless scenes of him in the second <laughs> installment that comes down in a year. <laughs> do you think he's gonna? Do you think he's gonna like thicken up the older he gets? Because I feel like there's kind of like a, um, like like a, like a natural progression of a lot of these kind of like homoerotic um, actors and stuff. Yes. By like their late twenties, they kind of start getting. Yes. like thicker um and i don't know I'm, I'm 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 excited to see what little timothy will look like when he thickens up i also like who was it oh my god i can't think of his name i used to be obsessed with him zach efron 
yes. who had all that work so done. Thick. Yes, so much work. It, but he got these work done. And I'm like, dude, daddy vibes, like age, just like let yourself age. Yeah. People will like you more. And if they don't like you, those people suck. It's really true. Like, he was it, he had a sculpture of a face and he's ruined it. He was a beautiful guy. Yes. And it's like I hate to admit this, but I was like, <laughs> I was there was like a plastic surgeon that was like <laughs> figuring out what they thought he had done. <laughs> and they're like, well, maybe some of the fillers will wear off. And I'm like, you filled too much. Anyways, I don't even know where to keep this. I might edit this all out. <laughs> Just like talking Wait. about thoughts for the last like five minutes. Uh, Keanu Reeves is another one. He was so beautiful when he was young at like, you know, my own private Idaho and like, Oh yeah. Did he work down or he just, he just, he just got old. He just got older. I think he just got older and like, kind of was like smoky and drinky or something. (laughs) 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 But he was another one that went from that little sculptured face to ever, I don't know if a little Timothy, I, I think he's going to look like that for a while. Who was it? The, um, Oh my God. One of the Jonas brothers who like, got the dad bod and I don't yeah. know. I like I think he actually may have like become more appealing to some gay men. <laughs> That's it. Like Oh my God. They're trying to widen their audience. They're like, look, this one has hair on his legs. There. Now he now his career will last. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for doing this with me. I really appreciate of it. Of course. And your in your was- podcast, Matt Tales. And and Sex Club. That's right. Everyone should go listen to it. That's right. right Come on over. Check into Sex Club. Thank you for having me, Stuart. I'm just a huge, huge, huge fan of oh my you God. and I the am podcast. And I'm glad I got to be um, part of history. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so excited that we made history together. <laughs> we did, finally. <laughs> All right. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. Thanks.